The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning. Good morning, <laughs> Shannon. Good morning and welcome to uh, Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy on Autism Live. Nancy and I are here and we're so excited. You can see that we've already got our guest with us, our first guest, I should say, Anita Lesko. And we're so excited to have Anita with us. We Originally, we were going to have Anita on on Tuesday and we need to we needed to rearrange some things that all worked out. And so we've got her here today on Friday. So good morning, ladies. How are you? Great. How are you? Well, I'm better now because I have this. It's, good it's morning, reversed. <laughs> good morning, Nancy. Uh, so we are going to, you know, Anita, you're one of our favorite guests of all time. I got to tell you, uh, we absolutely love having you on. For those of you who don't know, Anita was the, um, the bride in the all autism wedding. And I think that's the first time that we got uh, initiated into your wonderful world. And we just love Anita and her husband. And uh, how long have you guys been married now, Anita? Uh, five years. And uh, are you still as blissfully happy as you were for the, in the beginning? Because you still look at yeah. yeah, no, we are. And, you know, because we work as a team. We're like, you know, like two peas in a pod or something. I don't know what you want to call it. But, you know, we complement each other. Um, I'm the kind of high strung one. Abraham's always having to work hard to kind of keep me calm down <laughs> or thing. Well, Anita, I, what, Anita, what was that like getting married in with all those people involved? I'm just curious. What was the experience like? It was a, it was a very fun experience. I mean, and one of the things I didn't have to do any wedding planning, you know, we just kind of showed up. That was our job. Show up at the wedding. Um, so that, that sure made it easy, but, you know, having all the autistic people there and, and, and um, one of the people in particular, Mike Corrins, he, he sang at our wedding. And um, every time I hear the song that he, he sang, sung by the person who really sings it, you know, the artist, um, and I always think Mike does it better. Nobody does it as good as he does. Um, but it, it just was a very exciting, you know, and one of the things I remember the day just before I walked down the aisle, I couldn't believe it, I guess, because being autistic, you know, my whole life, and it's something which I didn't even find out till I'm 50, but you always have that feeling of being rejected and, and not fitting in and everything. So my whole life, I kind of always thought there's no way in the face of the earth that I'm ever going to be getting married or having even a relationship, um, let, alone, let alone getting married. So that was one of the thoughts just before I, I walked down the aisle that I, I couldn't believe that it was actually really happening. And well, I spoke at the United Nations back in 2017 for World Autism Awareness Day. And they had me talk about love and relationships and marriage. And that was the message I tried to convey that to, to people to understand that people on the spectrum have those needs and desires too. Um, we might not show it necessarily on our face or, or however, we, you know, lack of facial expressions and, and that kind of thing, but the, that feeling is there and, and we have real emotions and, and feelings just like everybody else. Yeah, well, that's really important to point out and you're a great example of, of that and we're just so happy for you. Yes. And, you know, I feel like your life has been such an adventure and it's so, we're so lucky that you share that adventure with us through your books and through the things that you do through your speaking and your online presence. 
Um, and you know, you've, you've had a fascinating story up till now, but you've had some stuff that happened that led to this new book that is just out in April, um, a, a food revolution. So maybe tell us a little bit about what led up to this book. Well, back in, uh, uh, Labor Day of 2017, I discovered that I have diabetes. I had not been feeling well for months prior to that. I, and all the symptoms were really there, um, except I, I, you know, brushed under the carpet, uh, rationalized to, to everything. Um, and and it's, I feel ashamed I'm a healthcare professional at the, high, at the highest level of the healthcare professional doing anesthesia for people in the operating room. And here's me ignoring very obvious symptoms. But I kept attributing it to my busy, busy life. You know, oh, I'm really, really exhausted. I'm really dehydrated. I'm, you know, um, I have some blurry vision. And so I, things like, for example, blurry vision, I'd sit there, I'd be at work and I'm looking around at all my coworkers, most of whom are like half of my age and, and half of them are wearing eyeglasses. So I'm like, wow, well, why, well, sure, of course I've got blurry vision. You know, at my age, why, why would I think not? So everybody needs those, uh, what do you, I call them grocery store reader glasses, you know? Um, so the, I attributed the blurry vision to just my age and, and everybody needs eyeglasses. So it, so on Labor Day, when I, dis I had just come back from, uh, I flew out to Fort Collins, Colorado for Temple Grandin's 70th birthday celebration, which was a really big deal that they had for her. And so when I came back, uh, I was, I was really exhausted beyond my comprehension, massively dehydrated. But again, I'm saying, well, all these plane rides, I spent a lot of time out in the sun. Cause when I was out there, um, she Temple had taken me out to the uh, farm where she teaches her graduate students how to work with the cattle. So I was out there amidst all those cattle and out in the sun all day. So I'm thinking, well, that's why I got so dehydrated and, and everything. So on Labor Day, and I'm so sick by this point, and I realized, okay, I think something's really wrong. I finally admit to myself that something's really wrong. Um, so then I discover, okay, my blood sugar is over 500. Um, I end up in the emergency room. Okay, all these things. I did not stay at the hospital, much to their dismay, but I, I went home after eight hours of getting IV fluids and all that. So I then follow up with my primary care doctor. Well, he wanted to prescribe me all these medications with typical metformin, glipizide, you know, regular insulin, uh, statin drug and all this. Well, I'm not a very happy camper with taking medications. They make me sicker beyond sick. Um, and I wanted a natural way to cure diabetes. Well, I started researching. So I would find, and I, and I spent a, the next year and a half constantly researching how to cure, naturally cure diabetes. So at first I found some things that helped me bring my blood sugar from like, let's say 500 down to 250. Well, that's not, I mean, it's better, sure, but it's not, it's not good. You know, sometimes I might get it to 180 and I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is really good. Well, I mean, it's not really, you know, you want your blood sugar under a hundred, around, you know, 80 to a hundred um, for being okay. Well, so this kept going on. Every time I go to the doctor, and I'd say, isn't there, there's got to be some, uh, a natural way to uh, take care of diabetes. And he would say, well, no, diabetes is worse than cancer because at least cancer, some of the cancers have uh, treatment, we can cure it and, and all this thing, but diabetes is a, is a progressive disease and there's no cure for it. Well, to make a long story short, okay, so come uh, March of last year, so March of 2019, my primary care doctor fired me because he said, I'm a, I'm a non-compliant patient. I'm a too high risk. I don't follow his orders and take the medications that he keeps prescribing, you know, one thing after another. And one of the things is as a healthcare professional or what, you know, I, I, first thing I do is I go read about what are the possible side effects of drugs. And then that's all I have to see is some, you know, catastrophic possible side effect. And that, that's it. We're, we're, I'm just done. Not going to do that. So I kept looking, okay, there's gotta be a way. So after he fired me, which then like a week later, he sends me a certified letter to be sure that I understand that I'm fired from him. Um, so a month later, one of my anesthesiologists that I work with in the operating room all the time, he, uh, 
he was actually, he called me up about a scheduling issue and, and he was chomping away on something. I said, you know, it's kind of annoying listening to him chomp, chomp, chomp as he's talking to me. So I said, what are you eating? Because it's, it's kind of really annoying to me. And he said, uh, I'm eating a, a papaya and you need to go get yourself one uh, at right there at the by your house at the store. And I said, you know, I have diabetes. You know, I can't eat things like um, papaya. Now, one of the things I have to back up and say, that doctor that I had been going to, he had told me to eat a keto diet with like under, between like 50 to 70 carbs a day at max, but just focus on, you know, meat, chicken, uh, eggs, and that kind of thing. So that's what I was doing for that, like almost two year period of time. I was eating lots of vegetables and, and, and no fruit because of the sugar, but lots and lots of vegetables, but high in animal protein. So, okay, so here my, my, my doctor, um, my, my boss person who's eating the papaya, he said, well, uh, yes, you can have it. I know you have diabetes, but yes, you can have fruit. And I said, no, I can't. And he said, yes, you can. I said, no, you can. This is going back and forth. Finally, so a couple of days later, I texted him and I said, I kind of jokingly said, because I've been thinking about it, I had missed eating fruit so bad for that two-year period of time. And, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm never going to be able to eat fruit because of all the sugar. So I jokingly text my boss man back and I said, I think um, I'm going to go because he's Vietnamese and they, they eat tons and tons of white rice and, and all this uh, and fruits and everything. And I texted him and I said, I think I'm going to go on a, a Vietnamese diet. And I'm gonna, then I can eat papaya. So he calls me up and he goes, you know, in, in Vietnam, uh, hardly anybody has diabetes. And yet, you know, they eat tons and tons of white rice all day long, tons of fruits and everything. Um, you need to talk to my sister. Well, his sister is an ER doctor at the hospital where I work. And he said, he goes, she'll put on a show for you and entertain you for an hour. And I'm like, well, what, what does that mean? He's, and he said, I'll, I'll just fix you up with her. So I didn't know what it meant, but I thought, hey, it, it, it might be something that's going to help me. So like a week later, I, I go over to her house. She, she had me come over there and she started talking about the whole food plant-based diet in particular. And she reaches over and she gets this book and she hands it to me. And this is a book by Dr. Neil Barnard. Well, Dr. Neil Barnard is a, a, a world famous um, a physician researcher. He's the founder and president of this thing called the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And the thing was in that moment when she handed me that book, I kind of, I froze and I got so overwhelmed with emotion because back in like 2006, my mom had that book. She had me get that book because she had seen Dr. Barnard on, I think it was like Dr. Oz show or somewhere. And she wanted us to go on that diet at the time. Well, I didn't have diabetes back then, or, or, or neither did she, but she kept saying, this looks like a super healthy way to eat. Let's just go on this and let's prevent these diseases and, and so forth. And it's like, I don't want to hear anything. I, I was At that point in my life, I, I wasn't ready to listen to that. And I thought it was just another crazy fad diet or something. So, okay, so fast forward then to March, 2019, so when I saw the book and all of a sudden it just like, it hits me and I realized, oh, good God, this is, this is what I've been looking for for the past two years, all this research. And here it was right in my head, only I, I didn't remember it. And for whatever reason, I guess the way I was entering, uh, trying to find a way to cure diabetes, I just, it wasn't coming up in my search. So that day I became a vegan. I came home and I said to uh, Abraham and I said, I, you know, this is, I showed, cause she, she gave, the lady gave me that book um, and, and I brought it home and I see it then it turns out I had that book in the house, which we then found about a couple months later, covered with about two inches of dust somewhere in the back closet that had been my mom's book. I said to him, I said, I have to go on this, this diet. This is how I'm going to get rid of this diabetes for once and for all and everything. And, and he said, well, what does it mean? And I said, then I start telling him and he said, well, count me in, I'm in. I look at him, I said, okay, well, that, that, that's great. So from, from that day, uh, May the 13th, 2019, um, I went on this uh, plant-based diet and, and never looked back. Within the first week, 
I started, my blood sugars were coming down from like the 250s down to 140. By the second week, I'd be, I picked my finger and it would be 87. So from then on, um, it, it just, my, my blood sugar came down. I just started, and I started losing weight. Now I wasn't, I didn't set out looking to lose weight. I'm thrilled to pieces, but that's just a normal process because you're not eating any fat. So you start losing weight and I've lost 72, actually 72 pounds so far. I'm looking at, I'm looking to make it a, an, a, an even hundred. So by probably be a couple more months um, before I get up to that point. But it, it was just so amazing how within days of how you start feeling and by two weeks, the dramatic difference in how you feel and, and your blood sugar. And, and so now I don't have, I, I reverse the diabetes, loss of 72 pounds. I don't have to take high blood pressure medication anymore. And I feel like a new person doing things that I thought like um, I, I, it just was never going to um, happen anymore. You know, like I can do, do exercising and different things, uh, working outside with the horses and stuff that I thought, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to do that again. But, but I feel like I'm 20 years old. And, I'm, and this coming July, I'm going to be 61. Shh, don't tell anybody. I'm going to be 61 years old, but I feel fantastic. And I went to, um, back in September, I went to this conference out in Oakland, California. It was a, a plant-based international healthcare conference for physicians and nurses and everybody. And I went out there and um, I got to meet Dr. Barnard in person. And I had I hooked up with him ahead of time. And I'd asked him, could I interview him? And he had said, yes, um, very graciously. And uh, we got to sit down. I got to talk to him and, and interview him. With, and and we, I video recorded the whole thing. So um, on my new website, the um, that interview is there with him because that was very exciting to me to meet Dr. Neil Barnard in person. I mean, he's at the tip of the spear of the whole plant-based movement. And he is like the biggest deal that there is. So that he took the time out of his schedule to let me interview him was was I felt pretty excited for that. Um, but when you go to, well, I went to that conference and I had been, of course, by this point, I had, of course, my laser focus. I had read so much that I've like earned a PhD in plant-based nutrition. Okay. At that, before I even went to that conference, well, listening to like, and as you read, you can read about all these like thousands and thousands of success stories, whether it's diabetes there's like people who um, all kind of like inflammatory diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, who can could hardly even get out of bed or lift up a, a cup of coffee, and then they're out playing tennis six months later because the plant-based diet takes all the inflammation out of your body. Okay, among other things that it does, but um, the only bad, the only I don't want to say bad. No, the only side effects of of uh, the plant-based diet is that you lose weight, and you feel great, and you get healthy. Okay, so those are the three side effects of uh, the plant-based diet. The only supplements that you do have to take is vitamin D and vitamin B12. Now, vitamin D, I choose to get that by going outside. Um, I go about probably four or five days a week for like 15 or 20 minutes, and it has to be between like 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Um, and just for, for like 15, 20 minutes, and you have to have like your, your arms and your legs skin exposed so that you absorb the sun rays, which makes your body manufacture the vitamin D. Um, vitamin B12, um, I eat that most of the time as in the form of what's called nutritional yeast. Um, and, and that's a fun thing to use because um, it has kind of like a cheese-like flavor, which allows you to make things that taste like macaroni and cheese, where you use cauliflower, um, and what have you, but that nutritional yeast is very easy to eat. I can eat it right out of the container. It's so much fun to eat. Um, and if people, one of the people say, oh, they're always worried about, I, what about protein? What about protein? Your body does not need as much protein as, as you're kind of led to believe, as I call it. Um, the amount of protein that you get in this diet, eating like um, the uh, legumes, grains, fruits, and vegetables, you're getting more than you need. I mean, people at work started noticing how I look 
very shortly after, and they're like, how come you're glowing? Are you in love, newly in love? You got a boyfriend going? I said, no, I'm, I'm in love with the fruits and vegetables and legumes and grains because it's making me feel like a new person. Um, so then I, I realized, I said, and I remember the day I met Dr. Barnard, I said, what can I do to help other people? And he said, look, he said, you're a plant-based success story. You need to share that story with other people. And then, so, and that's when I realized I need to write a book. So what I did, I wrote the book um, and, and it's kind of in, in three sections. It, part of it is about my own personal journey and how I did it. The second part is I share with other people how to do it themselves. Cause it's kind of a process, you know? And so I share all the different steps about how to go about doing it so that they can easily um, do it and be prepared and all that. The third part, which is a very critical part, majority of physicians don't know about a plant-based um, diet. Uh, one, they never get any nutrition training in, in medical school. And this is an ongoing thing. That's one of the things that Dr. Barnard is, uh, he's all over that. There's tons of people that are doing things um, to make it happen that, that medical students get this training and, and they're trying to work nationwide. They're doing things like um, for physicians that um, they're part of their continuing education has to be to learn about the plant-based diet to offer that to their patients um, as, as kind of like a first line of treatment for their medication or for their disease of whatever it is, or if they don't have anything wrong with them to help them not get anything wrong with them by prevention, by eating this way. Like if Dr. Barnard has his, uh, the Barnard Medical Center in Washington, DC. When people, when patients come there, uh, Dr. Barnard, you know, he, he'll spend 10, 15 minutes, whatever with the patient. But when he walks out that door, there's then as he calls it an army of people thereafter to work with that patient to, uh, if the patient is, is interested in, in trying a plant-based diet to treat their diabetes or heart disease or whatever it is they have, or just to go on it if they're healthy to get healthier and stay healthy. Um, so he has all these, you know, nutritionists and, and dietitians and the nurses and all these people to help that patient. And the patient spends a whole lot of time there to, to, to learn all this because they're not just, you know, uh, you're, most of us are used to you go to the doctor, they talk to you a couple minutes as they're sitting there on their typewriter, you know, typing out your, your, your medical thing, and then they're out the door. And then you're like, now what, you know? Um, so it's, it's working with many people um, who are involved in this whole plant-based movement to get physicians educated on that. But and so in my book, I provide um, every resource on the face of the earth for a physician to look at, to read, to contact, even contact Dr. Barnard and go there and spend a week at his clinic to see how it's done. Um, but, but doctors need to understand the power of a plant-based diet to just to, to realize that this, this patients and, and give patients a little more credit and not just think, oh, people, they're not going to be motivated to go on this because people are motivated to go on it. And once they actually do, and they see how great they feel and, 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 and how their health is evolving into such a positive way, that's the motivation to keep on going. So that's why I wrote that book. And Dr. Barnard was so gracious enough to write the forward for that book for me. So I was pretty, really excited about that. Anita, go ahead, Shannon. No, no, I want you to, go ahead. Anita, obviously it's based on plants. I mean, it's a plant-based diet, but can you give us a little bit more information on what your diet looks like? Sure. Yes. Okay. And it's funny because I wrote a, a, a blog that I put out today. The picture that goes with the blog is a refrigerator with the door open with one head of broccoli sitting in that refrigerator. Huh. Well, and the story behind that is the, when I came home the day when I learned about the, the plant-based diet, when I came home and said to my husband, Abraham, that we're going to go on this. Well, the first thing we had to do was literally gut out the refrigerator of every animal product that was in there. Um, and it took a while we had to go through the refrigerator, the freezer and all the pantries um, 
I'm talking, and, and, and this is, we, we're looking at each other like, because we were supposed to have this uh, celebration dinner that coming weekend, okay? So we had all this stuff that was ready the, in the freezer um, and things that we don't even normally buy, but because we were going to have the celebration, like the one the one thing that I still I laugh at was um, one of my favorite things used to be was uh, Alaskan king crab legs, those big monster size crab legs, okay? So I had this big bag. It was like four pounds or something of it in the freezer. Um, and so that was one of the last things. And I remember I pick it up and I looked at it. I looked at my husband and I was like, oh my God. And then I, then I said, wait a minute, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I want to get rid of this diabetes. I want to be healthy. Boom. And I threw it in the garbage. And that was, that was the end of that. So by the time we were done getting rid of Meat, chicken, pork, fish, butter, eggs, milk, cheese, and yogurt. So the only thing left in that refrigerator was a head of broccoli. Mm-hmm. And so that head of broccoli, because it was too late then to go to the store, because we have to get up so early. So I looked at him. I said, well, do you realize that broccoli has to be both of our breakfast and lunch for tomorrow? So that was kind of, we started out kind of not prepared because I wasn't expecting that day when I went over to that lady's house. That I'm going to become a vegan by the afternoon, you know, but um, once I knew that I had that information, there was no way in a million years was I going to not do it at that point, despite that all we had that day was the broccoli. So anyway, so at first, you know, I'm like, okay, so what are we going to eat? What do I eat? So that day after work, the next day I went to the grocery store and got all kind of um, vegetables and the shock of it that I could eat fruit again um that that was i was beside myself because i love every fruit that there is so we started out basically just eating like very like just whole foods meaning um i have a bowl would make um black rice um bake up a purple sweet potato um some corn some tomatoes um uh edamame beans uh, and I'd shave some turmeric root over all of that, okay, and just eat it just like that. So that's how in the beginning uh, we ate just kind of just whole straight foods that, and where each ingredient has, I mean, each food has only one ingredient, you know, like apple, rice, that kind of thing. Um, I got Dr. Barnard's, uh, uh, in, actually in his book, that, that um, How to Reverse Diabetes Without Drugs, he's got quite a lot of recipes in the back of that. Um, which one of them called, I think it's vegetarian three bean chili express. Um, I forget what page it's on. Um, but that was, that actually was like the first recipe that we started to make. And it's so delicious. We'd make like this big, huge, um, pot of that and then be able to have it for like the next couple days or put some in the freezer or that kind of thing. Well, if you go online I mean, of course, there's a, a cookbooks galore on how to for, for plant-based um, recipes. But you can go online, doesn't cost you a penny, and, and find there are so many recipes you can't even believe. And, th- and you know what? You can actually modify pretty much any recipe to become a vegan recipe. Um, you just replace things like you might replace meat with uh, or chicken with tofu instead. You can bake tofu, grill it. Um, steam it, do all kinds of things. You can marinate it um, and, and, and it's very versatile and make all kinds of delicious meals. You know, we love all kinds of international things, um, you know, uh, Chinese food, Indian food, Mexican, Korean. We make all these different delicious meals with just, you know, you, you have your, your fruits, your vegetables, uh, tofu or tempeh, uh, spices, and, and wow, you can come up with, with all kinds of stuff and simple. We like to keep recipes, maybe once in a while, like on the weekend, we'll make something that's more involved. But um, for basic, uh, during the week and everything, it's things that have like five ingredients, you know, that takes you under 30 minutes to make it. And they're very filling because all these meals are very high in fiber. So you're, it's very, very filling food. That's another thing. When you eat like this, you can eat as much as you want, when you want, and there's no weighing, no measuring, no points, none of that typical thing that's associated with diets. See, I like to call it the plant-based lifestyle 
because I hate the word diet because to me, I've had a weight problem my whole life, okay? So although I've tried every diet that there is, and none of them could ever work. I don't do well with um, portion, little, you know, little tiny portions, um, weighing and measuring things, points that I, I can't, it's, it's just not going to work. I like to, I like to eat what I want when I want. And I used to laugh and think, oh, why, why can't there be a diet that I can eat what I want when I want and not, you know, weigh it and everything? Well, there is. Um, and what you'll find is um, once in a blue moon, I might like think, oh, I, this was so delicious. I just have to have another plate of it. So then I go to eat it and I'm like, oh my, I'm so filled because I feel like it's like Thanksgiving day because everything is so high fiber when you eat, you feel like your, your stomach can explode. So you don't really need to eat uh, huge volumes because it's high fiber food. Um, so, but you, you're always filled and I have not been hungry since just that first day when I had the broccoli um, to start out with. But other than that, um, you know, normally, um, now breakfast. Okay, so what do I normally eat? Every day, we love to have oatmeal for breakfast with several different kinds of fruit in it. Now, uh, oatmeal, it's either gonna be whole oats, which is called oat groats, or um, those like old fashioned rolled oats, and they're just rolled up, not, if you start going less than that or steel cut, okay? But if you go less than either steel cut or the rolled oats, like anything that would cut instant or quick quick oats, they're, they're kind of worthless to eat because they've been processed so much, it's worthless. So you got to stick with either the whole oat groats, rolled oats or steel cut. And they'll have like a cut up banana, a cut up apple, um, a snack time will be, say, around 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever. It might be a, um, a chunk of um, baked tofu and some fruit of some sort, okay? Um, lunch might be that, um, that chili, a big, huge bowl of that chili uh, with Dr. Dr. Barnard's uh, vegetarian chili. Or in the supper will be, like, um, baked tofu, uh, I would, we tend to have a sweet potato every single day, like either purple or orange. That, well, that came about because uh, I do a lot of research about all this kind of eating and the Okinawa diet, which is supposed to be like one of the healthiest diets there are, except probably not anymore because they've had infiltration of fast food chains there. So um, they don't really eat so much like how they used to eat before the infiltration of those kind of places. But those people eat... Um, sweet potatoes every single day, either it's purple or orange sweet potatoes or pumpkin. So that's nothing we might have, I get, we'll, we'll buy usually canned, you know, just plain canned pumpkin. Um, in November we had, you know, real pumpkins cause we were able to get them, but the rest of the time just like get like canned pumpkin and make pumpkin soup out of it, which pumpkin soup might be, uh, you just put some soy milk and the pumpkin puree in a, in a saucepan and add like some, you know, spices like cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves and all that. And you can thicken it up. Now this sounds really strange, but you can thicken that up by getting a can of um, like cannellini beans. Um, and you put that all like in a food processor and the cannellini beans, you won't taste the beans, but it'll thicken it up. So it'll be like a real thick pumpkin soup. Um, so and there's all these things you learn about how to cook uh, in, in this fashion, because now, okay, I'm, we do not use any oils of any sort. And I talk about that in my book. Now, cooking without butter or oil, you're like, what? How would you possibly do that? It's very easy. Uh, and in fact, uh, I'm going to start this uh, every once a week, starting May the 12th. I'm going to have this live Instagram cooking show where I show how to cook without oil or butter. Um, and I start with really basic things because people, I'm really surprised that uh, how many people don't know how to do things like how to cut an onion without crying. You know, nothing's worse than you, know, you dread cutting that onion because you can be all crying and all, it's horrible. But, but it's very simple actually, it's just a little special little technique and, and bam, you don't have to worry about your eyes all burning and crying anymore. So this cooking show, I'm going to start, it's going to be kind of, you know, I'm going to make it fun and entertaining so people won't be afraid of cooking, uh, eating like as a vegan and, and all that. But 
uh, and I and so I'm you know gonna make it like fun like talk about like my story too, but how to get other people to go and do it. So I hope everybody tunes into that. That's gonna start on uh, May the twelfth, six o'clock Central Standard Time on my Instagram channel. And what is your Instagram channel, Anita? It is uh, just Anita Lesko, and you know what? I believe it's it's like at Anita Lesko, or you're just going Anita Lesko on Instagram, and it should come up. It's called like the Plant Based Diva. Now my show is going to be called Come On Into My Kitchen. Love it, which is where you're sitting right now. So the book is called A Food Revolution. How do we get it? I got it through Amazon. Yeah, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, okay. Now, uh, so many things I got to tell you, I, you know, we had you on, I think it was last October, November, and I had gone through a very similar circumstances. I I shared with you that I was diagnosed with diabetes and my sugar had skyrocketed and they put me on all these medicines and I was dizzy all the time. And you were like, Shannon, you got to do this. I feel like it was you, you and your mom where your mom was like, this is a great diet. You should do it. And I, I listened enough to get the, the Dr. Barnard's cookbook, but I was worried because I was like, it's all that fruit and, and it's all these like sweet things and I'm gluten-free. And I was like, I don't think, I'll be honest with you, the vegan part of it didn't scare me. You know what scared me? The oil part. That's the part that I'm like, I don't want to give up my oil, but I'd like to give up uh, my high blood sugar and I'd like to give up uh, the extra weight. And I'd like to, I want what you have in terms of how you're saying you feel good. That's what I want, Anita. So when I saw that you were putting out a book, I was like, oh, thank goodness, because I think that's what I need. And um, so I will I will say that, you know, I'm having to order some things extra um, because it's hard right now during COVID. But I do think that, and you even say on your book that this is now more than ever, this is the time to be trying this because of how it strengthens your immune system um, talk a little bit about that, about why you think, um, the plant-based diet during COVID is the way to go. Well, you know, as I stand, uh, all this, this time and we watch the news and how in the beginning as, as the whole coronavirus started unfolding and they started recognizing very rapidly that the people who were doing the worst and, and dying are those people, the, the great majority, yes, there's people uh, who have no uh, underlying health condition, at least not that they know of, but the, the vast majority of people were people who had diabetes was always the number one thing that they would list, high blood pressure, obese. So, and then there's many, many reasons for, for, for those different factors. So, but here's a virus that is attacking, um, that's, and it's going to be in our, in our, unfortunately, in our society for, 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 forever, I suspect. I mean, I, I can't see that's ever really just going to go away. Um, hopefully, maybe it will. But at some point, you know, things that the, the, the lockdowns and shutdowns are going to be lifted and people have to kind of get back to normal, but people still need to be cautious because it just uh, it's, it's still going to be out there. And the best thing you can do, the only thing you can do, I mean, yes, I, I wear a mask every time I go out grocery shopping and, and I put gloves on to be uh, handling everything. But the best thing you can do is make yourself as healthy as you possibly can. Get rid of those underlying health conditions so that you're not one of those people that has it so that if and when you get that virus, your body is going to be in a much better position to handle it um, than if you have all of that stuff going on. And then on top of that, then you get the virus and now your body is is not going to handle it very well. So all the nutrients and everything that, that, and I talk about that in that special chapter about how to make your body as best as you possibly can, um, getting healthy, boosting your immune system. Uh, when I, and when I say use the word boost, what that means is make it functioning at the capacity it's supposed to function at. You know, you're not doing something to make it like in some kind of overdrive or anything. It's just to make your, your immune system work how nature intended it to work. But if you're deficient in, in um, nutrition and you live on, you know, I, I have friends or uh, co-workers and stuff. I have that, um, one friend of mine, her, her dinner every day is like a bag of Doritos. And I'm like, you know, that's the kind of thing where you're not giving your body the tools that it needs to, 
to build the immune system to work like it's supposed to. I mean, I, I use an analogy in my book. If somebody gave you a Lamborghini, which is like, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollar car, are you going to try and run it on kerosene or would you want to put like the best fuel in it to, to make it last forever? Well, it's the same thing with your body. I mean, your, your body can work like a fine-tuned machine and, and work perfectly if you put the right things, you know, into it to, to run it. Um, that's how I like to look at it. Now, let me, let me mention about oil, um, why you don't want to have oil. Everything in the whole plant-based diet you can find, and I put in the back, I think there's 65 references in there, and it's all like research-proven data about the whole food plant-based diet. With oil, it's, it's very highly inflammatory because it's a very highly processed thing. Say olive oil. Oh, you always hear, oh, it's so healthy. Eat it, eat it, eat it. Who's, who's out there propagating that? The olive oil industry, okay? Well, olive oil causes the inflammation uh, in, in your body, okay? So that, that can lead to diabetes, can lead to heart disease, all other kind of inflammatory diseases, but you're eating it thinking, oh, I'm eating healthy, I'm eating the olive oil. Well, it, it, it's not, it's, a, it's, a, it's working against you. Um, the, what, there's a, one of the doctors who I've listed in that book, Dr. Caldwell Esselstein, which I, I got to meet him in Oakland, California at the conference. And I actually have links in, in there. You can go and watch videos of him talking about, he's like the biggest proponent of not having any oils at all. Uh, how significant that is with heart disease, um, it inflames the lining of, of your heart, leads to a coronary artery disease, heart attacks, uh, strokes and all that. So when you start reading about all of these things and it's like, wow, okay, I didn't realize all of that. Uh, and, and no, I don't need it. And you get over the, your taste buds change very rapidly. Within a couple of weeks, you get over um, any kind of cravings or, or things like that. So it sounds like extreme, but then as Dr. Esselstein will say, isn't it kind of extreme to have your, your whole chest sawed open with a big saw, your heart put on uh, a bypass machine to get open heart surgery? Um, that's kind of really extreme. That's far more extreme than stop eating oil. So, if you think about it from that perspective, that what you put in your mouth, what you put on your plate is directly proportional to your, your overall health status. Then it helps you say, you know what? I can, you know, I tell people, I like to tell people, try it 21 days, 30 days, just, just try it, okay? And stick to it, be honest with yourself, stick to it. And then see how you feel after that. And then I've had a quite a number of people already who've, who've done that. And then they're like, wow. And so they've stayed on it. And they couldn't believe how different that they felt. After well, I'm going to take that challenge, Anita. Uh, I'm going to take that challenge. I'm going to do it for 30 days. I can't wait. There's a recipe that she gives that's for carrots um, that you cook instead of hot dogs. Uh, you got to get this book, you guys. Unfortunately, we're out of time. But um, make sure that you check this out on Amazon. I ordered it. I got it. It's great. Great. Re like the recipes look fabulous. And she gives you all kinds of tips. I know that some of you are thinking, oh, I just can't cook that much. Much. Nobody's busier than Anita. I think I'm busy. Nancy thinks she's busy. We all think we're busy. Anita is like one of the busiest people there is. So she gives you tips for how to be able to do that. And I think it's I think it's worth a try. And we're coming into the season when produce, there's a big debate going on right now on Facebook where people are like, and it's cheaper to be vegan. And other people are like, no, it's more expensive to eat healthy. But this time of year, especially pretty much anywhere you live, produce is available um, even in this this COVID. In fact, farmers are, are wishing people were buying more produce. So support your local farmer, get, get a CSA, I just started getting imperfect produce coming. It's delivered, folks, and it's cheaper than, you know, getting it at the grocery store and you don't have to leave your home. So anyway, Anita, we love you. I'm so excited about this. I'm going to give this the 30-day try and then we'll report back. How's that? That sounds good. I'm going to hold you through it. 
Yeah, and I might be calling you going, Anita, I don't know what to do about this. I want to try it. Yeah, I want to try it for my son because I'm sure with autism being, as many experts say, an inflammatory condition, um, it can be anti-inflammatory and work with autism. There you go. Indeed. Okay. All right. Well, the challenge is there. Anita, thank you so much. Give your fabulous husband a big hug from us. Uh, and you guys stay safe and well, okay? You too. You too. All right. Bye, Anita. Bye. Uh, I, I always hate to say goodbye to Anita, but we have another guest who's joining us right now who is a wonderful young man, a self-advocate, a mover and a shaker. Uh, Ryan Lee is joining us right now, Nancy. And do I have to, uh, no, you have to let him in, Trayvon. He's going to let him He's in right now. right now. He's connecting right now. And so uh, thrilled to have Ryan here. Ryan's a wonderful writer and has posted several articles on uh, many different outlets. There Hi, is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Welcome awesome. to Autism Live and Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. How are you, Ryan? Good. It's great to be here. First, I wanted to talk about like my perspective of autism, of how it was for me growing up. Great. You see, you see... Even before I knew I was diagnosed as a kid, I mean, I always knew I was different. I always felt like the oddball out of some of my fears. And I always wondered why I couldn't be accepted or why I couldn't fit in. I used to go in my own little world as a kid. I mean, all the time. And people used to call it dreamland or uh, something else. And they didn't know how to handle me. And how, at what age did you know you were on the autism spectrum, Ryan? Well, I was diagnosed when I was three years old. And my parents told me, well, like when I was 14 or 15, before I started high school. And I, I really didn't know what to think. I mean, I was embarrassed and ashamed of it. So when I got to high school, I tried to be like everyone else, like trying to fit in. I guess I tried a little extra too hard. And... I tried, sometimes I acted out. Like when I was called a retard by a couple bullies, like my adrenaline sometimes kicks in and it made me so mad, I sometimes hit them. It must've been very confusing for you to not have a diagnosis till later. You must've wondered what's wrong with me. Well, kind of. I didn't ask myself what is wrong with me. I just wondered that, Am I different? I just didn't know how. I was. Yeah. And you say that when you first found out that you were, uh, it, it wasn't something that you were proud of, but that has changed for you, right? Ryan, you are in a much different space about this and you are now someone who speaks out about why you're proud of your diagnosis. And you're a wonderful role model for young people who are, are, are in that space that you were in before. Tell us how you got to that. How did you get through that, you know, feeling ashamed to get to the place where you now accept and love yourself and are very proud of who you are? Well, I read this book called Population One, Autism, Adversity, and the Will to Succeed by this other autistic author named Tyler McNamer. And when I read the book, I realized autism is nothing to be ashamed of. I should be proud of who I am. And I needed to know, like, just be proud of my health. But there is a few problems about being autistic that I should tell you about. Okay. You see, sometimes I encounter people telling me that you don't look autistic. And I feel like I have to respond to them. Well, how the heck am I supposed to look then? Like people always making assumptions about you without knowing the extent of your struggles. It's just frustrating. Having an invisible disability is challenging in many ways. And when people expect you to be, you know, I don't like to say this word a lot, normal or don't expect you in acting ways, just don't feel natural. And they don't cut you any slack when you make mistakes and have high expectations of you based on your age and height. And sometimes people are more understanding when they see physical symptoms of a disability. Like if someone has a facial deformity or if someone's in a wheelchair, and this is why it's important to educate others. It's, I'm, I wouldn't change who I am for anyone else, but it's still hard to fit into a world that doesn't always fit you. Absolutely. But have you learned now that, like you were saying, that you felt different before? And I love one of the things that Temple Grandin says, different, but equal. Like different, I think of different as always being fabulous. 
Um, and I was raised to believe that, but it wasn't until I was older that I realized, oh, other people weren't raised that way. And I don't, I don't get it. I gotta, I gotta say, I think that different is the way to be. Um, do you, yeah. you now feel that? Yes, I feel different that way. And autism is a different way of thinking, feeling, and living. And there's still a lot more work to be done in this world, like fighting the myths. There is still this myth for years that autistics have or lack empathy. For years, they depicted us as emotionally, socially clueless robots. But people just don't understand. The more you get to know an autistic person, the more you realize how caring they can be. Yeah. And having a lack of empathy is something we should be punished for. I mean, we can have empathy. We just show it in a different way. But the problem is some people aren't really direct with how they're feeling. And one of the hardest, that connects to the hardest things about having autism is not being able to pick up on emotional cues right away based on one's body language or facial expression. And there are some who are just like, disown you or don't want anything to do with you or don't want to be around you for one stupid reason or another and they just leave us in the dark and don't tell us why and they should tell us what is making them uncomfortable and then we could try to fix it and not leave us dark it's not a loss not the end of the line ryan what are some of the special ryan what are some of the special qualities that you think autism has uh is given you being on the spectrum what are some of the special gifts and abilities well i do write poems to express my feelings in a way like i've written a lot uh, like over the past year and a half yeah it's, it's it's just my way of expressing myself uh-huh and uh, ryan I mean, what are oh you go ahead yeah every autistic has a gift like they just have to find out what it is. What do you want for your future, Ryan? You're still a very young man. What are your hopes? What What do you want to do with your life? Well, to be honest, Shannon, when I was little, I I really loved animals, and I wanted to go in the animal field and maybe be a vet or help in a, a vet technician. I went to Tuskegee University like for five years and studied animal science and I got my degree. But to be honest, the animal field was a lot harder than I would thought it would be. So things didn't quite work out, but I'm just trying to figure myself out who I am. And to be fair, not everyone gets the job that they majored in college. And so do you, uh, you, clearly you write, and as you said, you've been writing for the last year and a half. Do you think that maybe this is a, a path for you, that you want to be a writer? Well, I write just to, for like, as a hobby and try to inspire, but I haven't written a lot lately because I'm kind of out of ideas. I'm, I'm not that creative about of writing a novel. So I'm still in the phase of figuring out who I am. But in the meantime, I just want to foster new relationships and make new friends, get to know new people. Wonderful. Nancy, did you have a question for him? I feel like I'm hogging him. No, not at all. Um, what would you say to um, other young people like yourself who are on the spectrum and maybe struggling um, with finding their way in the world? Yes, I would tell them that there are positive characteristics about you, no matter who you are. Just tell what you have to offer. And there won't be things that everyone value, but it doesn't matter. Just like yourself. And I'm still learning that. Flaws and all, you are who you are. Right. Okay. Very, very autism nice. is not a disease. Autism is not a disease or an illness. It makes us who we are. And there's one thing you should know. Like therapy, I know you must have heard that some people think about curing autism, but there also has been few talk about if we could separate the symptoms from autism and still have it. I mean, that's not how it works. I mean, the symptoms are like a package deal with autism. Like you can't diagnose autism without symptoms, you know. Yes, and, but there are there are some aspects of autism, and tell me what you think about this. Honestly, there are some because you know both Nancy and I have sons that we love who are on the autism spectrum, and um, you know there are there 
the way that they diagnose autism currently are deficits in specific areas. And, you know, I happen to believe that everybody um, is a little bit on the spectrum. You just may not qualify for a diagnosis. So, uh, you know, I have problems with sensory things, for instance, um, but not so badly that it's considered a disability and not so badly that I qualify for an autism diagnosis, right? If I went to the doctor, they would say, well, you have sensory issues, but you don't qualify for an autism diagnosis. And uh, like social issues, that if somebody doesn't understand uh, what the social constructs of uh, something are, that's, that is something that could potentially, if it is big enough, get you a diagnosis of autism. But some of that is skill that obviously you are this amazing, intelligent young man. And there was a time when you were born when you did not know how to write, but you yeah. learned how to write. That's a skill. And yes. not everyone can learn that skill to the level that you do, but most people can learn how to write um, in the world. Not everybody, but most people. So my question is, if you get better and better, and clearly you're very good at social skills because you're here with us, um, and you advocated for yourself to be on the show and wrote to me and you were persistent, which I applaud you for, because that's what gets it done. So... My thing is, if somebody, if there are parts of autism that are in your way, there are other parts of autism that are who you are, but there are parts that are a skill deficit. If we teach that person that skill deficit, just like we do with everything, like you were taught to write, um, does that, do, I don't think that changes autism, because I think autism is a way to think, but eventually could someone get to the point where they no longer they have autism, but they don't have a disability. How do you feel yeah. about that? Well, the thing is, with our symptoms, we can work on them, but that doesn't mean they'll right. completely go away. And there's right. some things I, I have to say about the social ties of having autism. The thing is, the people on the higher end of the spectrum, like myself, like it's not fair that the world keeps on telling us to change, keep on saying that we need to be more appropriate. And they need to not discriminate against us like that because we're different. That, but just because we can talk, say sentences fluently and have verbal language, like the, not like the people on the, the lower end of the spectrum, that doesn't change the fact that we're still on the spectrum. Sometimes it's hard for us to find the right words to express what we want to say. Yeah. And as, as with any other person on the spectrum, we still have significant challenges in our everyday lives that stand in the way of us of having a comfortable life or succeeding in school. And just so you know, it's important to remember that autism is autism. And people whose disability can be invisible, we're very aware of our own difficulties and extremely sensitive to others' negative reactions. And autism is a word just to characterize how our brain functions, not how broken it is, and it ways to be respected. But people still see us as broken, and it's not fair. Well, I thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, I think that you're amazing. And there's um, one more point I want to I want to say. Okay, we've got about one minute left, so make your point. Yeah, the thing is, some autistics are very blunt and literal, and sometimes we have no filter that includes verbal filter or sensory processing filters. We say what's on our mind and exactly how we think, because if we don't say, we lose what we're trying to say. Mm -hmm. Well, that's well, a good and, point, Ryan. And, and it's refreshing, you, I, right? I, I agree with Shannon that you're a remarkable young man. You're a great role model to Thanks. everybody and hopefully um, our audience who is listening today has been inspired by your story. Thank Thanks. you so much for being with us, Ryan. Yeah, I wish we had more time because I had more to say. I, well, well, and I, we'll and I appreciate that. Another time. We will, we'll have to have you back again. But thank you so much for being with us. We've got 30 seconds. I just wanna tell people that next week we have an amazing week of shows. Uh, I can tell you that we've got uh, Lisa Ackerman from Taka is going to be with us. We have Dina Kimmel from um, We Rock the Spectrum Kids Gyms. We've got Bonnie Yates. We've got uh, Dr. Doreen Grampichet. It's, it's an amazing, amazing week. And we're going to be thrilled to be back here on Monday with you. It's Mother's Day week. So uh, next week on Friday, Nancy and I have to do something really special because it's the last show before Mother's Day. So we have to be thinking about that, Nancy. Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, but we're, we're about out of time here. So I just wanted to thank uh, both of our guests for being with us. Anita Lesko, and you can get her book on Amazon, A Food Revolution. 
uh, I'm I'm taking the challenge. I'm doing it You're for doing 30 it, days. I'm, I'm doing it. Let's hope that I am infinitely more healthy in a month because I could use it. Um, and But it, we'll be back on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And give yourselves a hug from me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks, Shannon. Bye-bye. Hi, buddy.